Hello, I'm Jamie Bricker. And I'm Carol Bricker. And you're listening to Bricker by Bricker, a podcast to support parents with building productive partnerships between home and school. And Carol, I think now is a very fitting time. We finally get the opportunity to discuss the long-awaited return to school. And I think it's important though, Carol, before we begin, that right now, of course, we're all kind of waiting across the province of Ontario for the government's official, as they call it, their comprehensive return to school plan. And it's important for our audience to realize that our taping is at the uh, a few days before the release of this plan, if it well, in fact is, is released. I was going to say, we've been hearing it's going to be coming for a while, so... The, week, the weeks go by, but yes. anyways, if the government's true to their word, it will be released shortly. So probably about the time that our Early uh, recorded August, podcast yeah. is actually... Uh, you know, posted. So just wanted to clarify that for our audience. However, I don't think that detracts whatsoever from the key points we're about to discuss. And I mean, the bottom line is understatement of the year, but the last two years have been extremely unsettling for everyone involved in Ontario's education system. Well, just everyone involved, I think, in the pandemic in general, but certainly heightened in education. Oh, no question. You're, you're so right, Carol. Look at the broader pandemic. We kind of funnel it down and specifically, we're looking at education, but no question. And so it's so nice to kind of hear these words of some degree, at least of normalcy, returning to our schools next month. Well, and if we look at it, you know, we're we're at the beginning of August. And really, this is the time that parents need to be making those decisions. You know, is my child going to be attending in person for the 2021-2022 school year? Or are we going to be taking advantage of the virtual learning model? And those times where those parents have to be making the the decision really is is imminent because, as we say, school you know school boards need to plan for what's going to happen in this next school year. And it's our understanding as well that this year will be different than last year in that when parents make the decision that their child will be attending in either format, that that's the decision that's going to be in place for the full school year. Absolutely. There's no kind of back and forth in November. I'd like to try this or try that. Yeah. And I know from a, from a school's perspective, talking to numerous colleagues uh, still working in the system, that, uh, that you know, Schools and boards and so on are anticipating X number of people going virtual, but of course they don't know how many. So right now, class sizes are high with the anticipated loss of some students, but once again, how many is a big Mm -hmm. variable. And I just think, uh, for my two cents, Carol, I I think it's important. I really have to stress that as as a lifelong educator and a parent of kids and so on, I would really strongly recommend, unless there's some real extenuating circumstances, that parents really put a priority on in-person learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the academic learning is so much richer and so much deeper. As we've said many times, modern education does not lend itself to staring in front of a screen all day. You're right. And we've heard so much about the mental health of people in general and, and children specifically for us, that that social component of the in-person learning is so essential for the development of kids. Oh, absolutely. The whole emotional and the mental health piece we've heard, rightly so, heard so much about the last couple of years. Boy, one huge step forward in that regard is that peer-to-peer interaction, let alone the classroom, but the fields, the playgrounds, the recess, the lunchroom. That's just so, so important. 
Mm -hmm. So then if we look at what is being uh, said and suggested by our uh, medical health professionals and more specifically the medical health officer for Ontario, you know, he really expects that that masking of students will continue in September because there hasn't been a high enough level of community immunity. So really when he's looking at this masking policy as well, and and I know I've read criticisms of this, but looking at more a regional approach, because there are some communities that really have no cases occurring in their areas. So in those regions, perhaps children won't be required to wear the masks at school. And I'm sorry, but that makes absolute total sense to me. Mm -hmm. There's a few pockets right now where the Delta variant is hitting hard. Absolutely no question. But you're right. I don't think the entire province of Ontario should be kind of, quote, you know, playing or playing by those rules when other rules would really apply to their daily lives. Yes. And then also, and and this isn't new to to, uh, Dr. Moore, our previous medical health officer really felt that kids need to be in school and that schools should not be closed in 2021-2022 for uh, in-person learning, that that should only occur as that last measure. And if there is a very significant community health concern. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it is a very small chance, uh, you know, heaven forbid, like a fourth wave or something is significant, but that's highly unlikely with the steps taken and the high vaccination rates. Mm -hmm. As mentioned earlier, I echo um, what Dr. Moore uh, feels, kids need to be in class. But another huge part of school, of course, Carol, are extracurriculars. Yeah, right. And a minister has recently said that extracurriculars will be offered this fall with, of course, the proviso that there'll be necessary adaptations and modifications, once again, driven by public health Well, guidelines. when you look at now, uh, summer camps are open for kids, team sports are open for kids. So it's kind of that extension <coughs> of what's already happening in communities during the summer. Oh, excellent example. And of course, the outside summer activities yes. we've seen in our walks and so on around the community, those make total sense to us. And I think of, say, September, October in school, remember many years I would coach cross-country running, and of course, I can see that happening. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Now, what I'm not so clear on would be, say, volleyball and other indoor sports, and then all the many clubs and and bands and Mm -hmm. so on, how that looks. Well, uh, they certainly have, in in our comprehensive plan, I'm sure there's going (laughs) to be parameters around those extracurricular activities. Well, and all getting aside, though, in terms of this quote-unquote comprehensive plan, Uh, Frankly, it's all very well for the minister to say, oh, extracurriculars are back and so on and so on, because, of course, he knows that plays what what Mm -hmm. parents want to hear. Politically, it plays very nice. Uh, We get that. However, it is so important to stress that all and I mean all extracurricular activities at any school are driven by voluntary time devoted by teachers and other adults in the building. So, like I say, it's one thing for the ministry to say we will offer but it's always important, I think, for, for students and parents alike to realize that this is all driven mm. by voluntary time from teachers. And in these unusual times, Carol, do you not think that I think it's quite valid that a lot of teachers, frankly, are not going to feel comfortable potentially well, exposing themselves more than just the classroom? I don't know. That's exactly what I was going to say. You know, we talked about the mental health of students. Well, it's 
teachers certainly have experienced trauma throughout this this past school year. And where they are with their return to school and return to the classroom and return to what was in education, you know, it's going to vary from person to person. And I think that's one thing that we do have to recognize is everybody is going to come back on their own trajectory, their own journey. And we have to accept everybody's individual feelings, providing they're they're not impacting on us and and our safety and and children's safety. And so I think that's that's an important piece that we need to be cognizant of and and remember that everybody. Couldn't occur, couldn't concur more. Uh, You're absolutely right. And I just think in closing on this topic that sweeping statements about what extracurriculars are going to be offered, really kind of wonderful for parents and kids, but really making that kind of blanket statement is a disservice to, as you say, the challenges teachers have faced mm-hmm. the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And and nobody should feel pressured into doing extracurricular. Well said. Children or staff. I think we need to encourage, but I don't think we need to pressure. We don't think we need to put that additional burden on people. And we've talked about this, sorry, back to our school plan. And interesting that uh, uh, in the middle of June, it was reported that the Minister of Education had said that that school plan will be released by our chief medical officer in July. Well, here we are, the beginning of August, still waiting on our school plan. And uh, hopefully it will come soon, But I just am concerned, and yes, I know that we're in a fluid situation, but decisions need to be made. And we don't need another fall like last fall where students weren't getting back into school until mid or latter September because boards didn't have enough time to plan and organize for it. We need a logical, well-thought-out plan rather than our premier kind of shooting from the hip the other day saying that, quote, even if I have to drive the bus, these kids are getting to school this fall. <laughs> uh, you know, that that does, those kind of comments just don't help anyone. Yeah. We need a really well thought out written plan, which frankly should have been released weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But also along that line, like as you and I were talking the other day, like every board has some modified your schools where they start school really right now in early August. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going in without a plan. Like, they're like they've had to generate their own plan. Their pan, uh, pants, so to speak. And you're right. They're going to literally have parents, administrators, teachers, and kids all trying to do their best without a plan and then be expected to react accordingly when the plan finally comes out. Mm-hmm. Not, not a really nice way to start your return to school after two years. Certainly. And when we talk about this plan, one of the things that is kind of driving it are those vaccination rates and the number of cases that are occurring in the province, which, as I said, is a fluid thing. However, let's have a plan that really looks at the safety of kids with their current situation going back in September. And, you know, some of those restrictions or or guidelines could be modified or changed depending on the situation in September with the hope that, you know, vaccination rates are going to continue to uh, improve and also case rates are going to continue to decline. But 
when we look at this plan, you know, what are some of those things that parents really need to know? And you you mentioned class size and how, uh, you know, a colleague of yours had mentioned that for his wife and her school, those class sizes are quite large right now because they don't know that virtual piece. And we really need to know what are those schedules going to be looking like. So boards can be and uh, can be planning uh, staffing around that, but parents and students can also be planning around that piece. And then when it comes down to the safety measures, you know, we've talked about the mass ventilation is constantly being a thing in the media. And interesting enough, with the schools being closed, wouldn't that have been a perfect time to look at the ventilation in all schools and make those constructive changes that need to occur. And then finally, when we look at our elementary students, you know, there's got to be some additional safety measures in place for them because they're not even eligible to receive the vaccine. And well, our students under grade seven. Yes, yes. And then What are going to be those testing procedures that are going to be in place so that that we can monitor schools and reduce those outbreaks in schools? I think parents also have to realize that for the students who have been or or in the past during the pandemic were involved in in school learning, a lot of those protocols with modifications, but will still be in place oh, yes. in September. Oh, definitely. So I think it's important to stress, it's wonderful kids have the opportunity to return to school, but it does not mean it's like, you know, two years ago walking in in September. Oh, definitely I think it's not. really important for parents to both, both kind of expect that and recognize that, but also support that. Mm-hmm. And there'll be a gradual, gradual kind of change or loosening of these protocols over the months ahead. Well, it's just like, as I said, people are going to be returning to life at their own pace. And that's going to be happening in schools as well. There's going to be that gradual pace to return to what used to be as much as possible, I guess we should say. But I also think one of those big questions for parents is going to be around the learning loss and the mental health supports and what are going to be in place to address those those issues. Oh, absolutely. And we need more specifics over time. No doubt about it. Well, Carol, I think it's important now to get kind of a bit of a, a broader lens from kind of outside of education. And we'll talk about its uh, implications for education. And this is with regards to a report from the science table. Now, the Ontario COVID-19 Science Advisory Table, it is a group of scientific experts and health system leaders, and their job has been to evaluate and report on emerging evidence relevant to the pandemic, and then, of course, to inform and direct and have an influence on Ontario's response. Now, to give kind of a little bit of a, a global view, I guess, I found it really kind of telling and I guess not super surprising, but very kind of concerning that the Secretary General of the United Nations recently called COVID-19 related school closures as, quote, a generational catastrophe. And I mean, how could it be any more of a profound statement than that for all of its ripple effect of uh, impacts? The bottom line is in-person learning, which many students missed out on, it offers a wide range of academic, 
obviously, Mm -hmm. but also so many social and emotional learning opportunities that kids just have not had on any kind of regular basis for two years. Mm -hmm. Well, and when we look at, and particularly some of our younger students, where so much of their learning is through play, as a kindergarten teacher, grade one teacher, that would be really difficult to replicate in that virtual learning opportunity or, or style. And, and you know, when we look at learning and the play and the physical activity and the relationships that we have, uh, you know, with our, our peers and, and those opportunities to problem solve and, and that sort of thing really contributes to that all around well-developed child and really supports that that positive mental health. So in-person learning plays such an important role. And in some areas, that role also includes that nutrition and, you know, through breakfast programs and lunch programs and things like that. Well, and healthy snack yes. which is a staple yep. item in yes. new schools. And then also that security in that there is somebody who is seeing them every day outside of the home and and can recognize if that child is in distress for some reason or is that secure person that child can go to. Absolutely. And I think it's important to, when you say security, Carol, it gets me thinking that kind of a 5,000 foot view, security, kind of an overarching term for many of our kids going to school is one of the most stable, predictable, comfortable reassuring parts mm-hmm. of their daily lives. So that security, you're right, it's it's at, at kind of a specific uh, level. There's certainly like physical, emotional security, no question, very important. But I think even at a broader lens, it's just, it's really their kind of their comfort zone. And the rest of their life may have an awful lot of turbulence and unknowns and uncertainty. So to take that away, boy, that can have major repercussions. You're right, because really, when we look at our schools, that they really are that key link between children and families and many community mental health and developmental services. And especially now, after such a gap, yeah. some people just haven't had access for months and yes. months. Well, Carol, I think it's now's the time uh, in our podcast to really look at some key questions that parents may very well be asking. And I think first and foremost is, as a parent, what can I do to prepare my child for a really mm-hmm. successful back to school? Yep. Well, as we've said from day one in our podcast for the last three years, it's a partnership. So the school and board have responsibilities, and then parents can certainly help out. Yep. And of course, from the school and board perspective, it's important to take all reasonable measures to help ensure our kids will be safe, and, and over time to really address their mental health uh, concerns and also really addressing these learning gaps, which, of course, are going to vary quite a bit from kid to kid. Uh, and all of these things, of course, really need to be uh, really effectively communicated to uh, all of the families involved. Well, and then if we look at from a parent's role, now's the time to really be reestablishing those routines with with your children and really thinking about how you're going to transition your child back into school if if you're indeed going to that in-person learning and looking at what are some of those social opportunities that you could provide at this point in time in the summer that are safe that are outdoors to give your kids that chance to to 
reintegrate back in with their peer group and feel comfortable with their peer group. But then it's also having a positive attitude yourself to this return to school. You know, it has been a stressful year this past school year with in and out of school and uh, the closures and the isolation and really talking with your child enthusiastically about that return to school and how you can do it safely and with their safety in mind, but also that this is going to be a great opportunity. Oh, forward. no question. We, As we all know, Carol, the attitude of mom and dad play a huge role uh, in anything to do with school, frankly. Yes, yes. And boy, this September, they'll play a bigger role than ever. Mm-hmm. Now, let's look a little more specifically at what supports are in place for the 21-22 school year. First, under the umbrella of the learning loss issue, which, of course, is a very real concern, as it should be. And once again, ongoing communication between school and parents will be paramount. And parents really need further information as to what assessments are going to be used in September, October, kind of across your given school to really get a sense of the different uh, student levels in terms of academics and the key subjects like the reading, the writing, the mathematics, things like that. And then, of course, the million-dollar question for which all parents should really have a really clear understanding is how then will these gaps be addressed? Oh, I think, and that's the key piece, really. And and ask, as parents, ask if you're not being given this information. I mean, if you have concerns about your child and what loss they have had over the past year, then please make sure you're, you're contacting the teacher, contacting the school, Contacting the special education resource teacher, the CERT, as most of us refer to that person, and talk about your concerns and ask, how is your child going to be assessed to know what is their current level? And then how are we going to be moving forward to support that child is your child going to get some small group instruction with with perhaps a cert? Or how is the teacher going to be building and spiraling in or scaffolding in so that then those children are going to be at grade level, at, at the appropriate grade level at the end of the school year? Or as close as possible yes. to that point. Yes. I think it may well, you know, take more than one school year. Oh, depending on the situation. Yeah. You know, a lot, oh, lot of yeah. variables in play. All right, Karen, now let's look at mental health, which is also obviously a huge piece. Now, to the ministry's credit, they've made it abundantly clear that they are going to commit significant uh, dollars uh, to help support mental health of all of our students across mm-hmm. the province. And then it becomes a question of the board's kind of, you know, discretion, et cetera, as to how to best utilize these funds. And for example, they can be used for employment, more mental health professionals and professional learning and training for all staff within schools. And I think a big component of that is providing release time for the educators in the school to receive more of this professional development. And I think once again, that needs to be really ongoing. Oh, so true. But then we also need to look at parents have that role as well in supporting their child's mental health. 
and get getting back to those routines. They really are essential because it allows children to know what's going to happen. It's not uh, adding stress to them because they're not sure how their day is going to unfold. But part of those routines, as we've talked about with building resiliency in the past, is ensuring those really healthy living habits around sleep, proper nutrition and exercise but not only the child's, yours as well, as you're modeling those good healthy habits to a child. And then if your child does have concerns about the return to school, listen to them, talk it through with them, you know, really look at how you can best support them in their return in a less stressful manner. As best you can, try to empathize with the concern a five, seven, nine, twelve-year-old, or whatever student sure. would have, yes. rather than kind of inadvertently minimizing it. Yes, because yes. You, you you look at it from an adult's point of view mm-hmm. and think, oh, it's no quote big deal. Yes. Well, if it's a big deal to your nine-year-old, it's a big deal. Yes. And that's where it's so important. You're right to have that forum for for honest discussion. And I think Carol too, like boy, this this September of all years to me, as we were talking a few minutes ago about extracurriculars and of course how they really will kind of unfold in a given school, like who who knows. But really make an effort or really kind of encourage your child to get involved. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe just in one activity, each kind of term or whatever, Mm -hmm. but to get that kind of further connection and maybe make some new friends or, you know, whatever the case may be. And also parents always encourage you to, you know, speak to your medical professionals about any concerns you have. Uh, The educational system offers fantastic support. However, there are some things that are beyond their realm, and that's where you really need the medical experts. And let's face it, as we've said many times, Carol, parents know their kids far better than anyone else knows their kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, and as we've also said, of course, maintain that ongoing communication with the school, because once again, the school does provide some excellent resources for mental health. Yes, definitely. And I think it's also important to, to, as we were kind of wrapping things up here, to really get to briefly get to that whole issue of should all adults in a school be expected to be vaccinated uh, in time for this September? Well, the reality is uh, that if they haven't had their at least their first shot by right. now, they, they won't be fully vaccinated no. for the start of the school year. So I, I think it, that's a, a really important issue. We kind of get to what's better for the common good versus individual kind of privacy and decisions and all that. And we're trying to be respectful for all. But frankly, when the unions, et cetera, six, eight, 12 months ago had the very valid points about health concerns and uh, Safety, ventilation and so yeah. on. Well, now to me, it's it's time to step up and you can't have it both ways. No. And the number one way to secure our schools and make it safe for all and no guarantees, there's no absolutes. But the biggest impact would be ensuring that all adults in the building are fully vaccinated. Well, I look at it, too. As a, as a parent, if my child's teacher isn't fully vaccinated, I haven't had that opportunity when I'm talking under 12. I haven't had that opportunity or my child hasn't had that opportunity to be vaccinated. So they're in the building. Teacher isn't, isn't vaccinated, contracts COVID, brings it into the school. Now, my child has to be isolated at home and I have to take time off work to be with my child. And and I don't think as a parent that that's fair to families. And as you know, the health minister just stated that unvaccinated students yes. would be really off school mm-hmm. if, if they uh, yeah. were detected. Well, you're right. 
the, the, you know, longer, longer than if the child was vaccinated. And perhaps with children under 12 who haven't had that opportunity, maybe those rules that he has has implemented is more for the older population or older uh, students, because you, it's kind of like you're being punished for not being vaccinated. When you don't have those opportunities to be vaccinated, it's kind of an unfair punishment. Anyways. Well <laughs> And I know we're in agreement, but we feel strongly that all adults within the schools certainly should, you know, be vaccinated unless there's some really incredibly extenuating I mean, circumstances. circumstances. Certainly, I mean, if you've gone into education, you're there because of your care for kids and you know what you're wanting for kids. What better way to protect kids than by getting vaccinated? Well, we always say educators are there to set kids up for success. Yes. That's our moral imperative. And educators do a fantastic job of that. But as you say, boy, in our world right now, this would be the easiest, most impactful way to set kids up for success. Get vaccinated, please. And once again, uh, we want to thank everyone for joining us. And a reminder, if you have any questions or comments, as always, please email us at brickerbybricker at gmail.com or contact us through our website at brickerbybricker.com. And as always, we encourage our listeners to share our podcast with other families they think might be interested. And a reminder to follow us on Voice Ed Radio or any of our other platforms, such as iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, to name a few. And we look forward to connecting with you next time on Bricker by Bricker. Bricker.